We're here today at the Career Pro Inc. podcast with David Mantica and Arthi Uru Bekere. Did I say that even close to being right, Arthi? Yes. Thank you. Excellent. Well, we're going to talk today about meditation in the time, in turbulent times. I think this is a pretty good topic, and I'm really excited to have this conversation. Let me turn it over to David to kind of set the pace a little bit here today, why this is important for business, for career professionals, for really anybody listening. This is something that perhaps we unknowingly do, but meditation, I'm hearing more and more and more how important it is, and I hope we'll get some things going today that will increase your awareness and perhaps you can build a practice around this a little bit. We've got great help today. Let me turn it over to David Mandica. Yeah, thanks, John. And um, Arthi, it's going to be a blast asking you a lot of questions because what we have in this podcast today is an actual real world practitioner who has done it her entire life. So it's going to be a blast to be able to hear her story, be able to ask her questions associated with how it has positively impacted her life utilizing meditation techniques. So why I think this is important is in Western culture specifically, we do a very poor job of understanding our subconscious mind. When I do presentations, most people don't understand what negative self-talk is. People don't understand the physiological issues associated with emoting on the thoughts in our minds. And then we let our monkey mind just kind of grow and grow and fester and grow. And then we don't know how to attack it. And it results in a lot of actions and activities that aren't well thought out, that are reactive instead of proactive. And we do a lot of things around system one thinking from Daniel Kuderman's book instead of system two thinking. We don't cognate appropriately to solve challenging issues and problems. So what we want to do is be able to talk through what meditation really is, the power it can provide you in handling stress and turbulence and increasing the overall happiness of your life and the overall quality of your life. And there was a great book um, written by a gentleman by the name of Dan Brown. He's a, a Good Morning America newscaster, and he went through some significant personal trauma. And on his search for spirituality, he ran into meditation and he didn't use meditation from a spiritual standpoint. He used it from a quality life standpoint. And the book is called 10% Happier. And I think as you start hearing from Arthi and some of the concepts that we're going to talk about, you're going to see how valuable this is. So welcome, Arthi. Great having you. So why don't you tell us your story about how you started to meditate without even knowing you were meditating as a child? Absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity. And um Yes, as a young child growing up in Southern Virginia, um, I had many different situations where I felt um, like I really didn't fit in at times. And my father used to practice meditation after doing yoga every day. And I had no idea what he was doing. He was sitting by himself you know, crisscross applesauce, as my kids like to call it, or Indian <laughs> style. And, you know, I'm like, what is daddy doing? You know, what is, what is he doing um, alone? And um, it's very still and quiet. So I think that was about four or five years of age that I recall that memory. And that memory just came to me recently. Um, so it's been quite profound to now 
retrospectively go back and see where my first um, instances, my first um, cases, you know, where I've been introduced to what is now what we call meditation. Um, So some ways that I used to cope with, okay, you know, why am I not fitting in? Why is this, you know, difficult for me to find kids uh, my age to be friends with? Um, I used to lie down on the floor and listen to music. Um, I used to um, chant OM um, just for a really long time, either in my head, or I used to just sit with myself, either outside in the grass, um, outside on a tree, or in my room, and be still. And I, and I say that with so much uh, emphasis because what you had mentioned in the beginning, the ability to get out of our chatter brain and listen to and feel our breath is really the moment where we become still with ourselves. And, and that is really what, in a very simplistic manner, meditation is. It's a moment to practice stillness in your day or even throughout the day. Let's take a step to the, to the next point of this and part of this is I really kind of want to go off into two branches. The branch number one is I want to play around with the science aspect of it, but I, wanna, I don't want to do that right this second. Let's start off with when did you transition from, you know, the, and I'm, I'm, I'm not using this word strangely, but the childish ways of meditation that you're mm-hmm. utilizing to where you start incorporating the, the real meditative um, mindset and skills and practice. What was that transition like? And what did you use any tools and how did you start establishing a consistent pattern of meditation? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a, proun- a profound transition from when I was you know, younger to those methodologies that I picked up from my dad to um, you know, the current times. I mean, my late 30s now, um, I would say it was about um, like four or five years ago. Um, I was working in health IT and it was a very, um, you know, male dominant um, type of work. And I would listen to live guided meditations. I would listen to recorded guided meditations, as well as um, sound healing um, meditations. So this is all, um, you know, things that I used to do either early in the morning or um, before I would go to bed. And it was the start of a practice that would lead me to where I am now, where I can throughout the day meditate, you know, even standing, walking, doing the dishes, um, et cetera. So it really began waking up early in the morning, um, taking care of my hygiene, um, and doing some yoga practices. So yoga is actually the union with your consciousness that prepares your mind and body to sit and meditate. Um, oh, so there's interesting. A direct I had not connection. heard that. I had not heard that before. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And now when the yoga, on the yoga side, is that more of an exercise in preparation yes. to? 
And how much time do you spend in yoga before you move to your meditative activity? I would say anywhere between 10 minutes to an hour. So yoga can be defined with um, like pranic or breathing practices, where you can use also hand gestures or mudras to assist you in your practice to the modern day yoga stretches, exercises that you see, you know, that's popped up, you know, from the between the 60s and 70s all over the United States. So that practice of yoga where it's more of an exercise to the breathing techniques all fall under the umbrella of practicing yoga can be done between 10 minutes to an hour to prepare the body to sit. Um, And you can sit anywhere from five minutes to one hour to multiple hours, depending on your ability to to sit still, you know, now, and breathe. Now, do, do you have to do yoga to meditate? Not necessarily. It just helps prepare the body to um, sit still. Now, are you a counter in your breathing? Have you gotten to the point where you don't need to count? Do you, pull, do, you do any techniques on trying to relax from the head to the toe? What techniques do you do to get yourself situated to begin the breathing process? So I was a headspace guy. Um, and, and the headspace, headspace taught me a lot around how to situate myself and then get prepared, then start my breathing to start the meditative state. So where, where do you lie in that kind of idea of how to start into the process? Those are great questions and great methodologies. Um, one can start with the simple practice of counting four inhalations holding it for four counts, and then exhaling for four. Um, that is a good practice to begin the meditative uh, state. You can also um, imagine the top of your head, which is your crown chakra. And I can get into the chakras if you'd like. Um, just opening up and white light coming down from the top of your head, clearing your body, from your head to your neck, your shoulders and your arm, arms, your chest. Yes, that's exactly. He didn't talk about the chakra, but that's how Mm -hmm. he did it in the headspace process is he had us go from top to bottom. He just didn't talk about the the chakra part of that. Absolutely. We're all connected to the universe. um, And that is, that is definitely part of this process. If you want to, open up your consciousness and um, grow as an individual. Um, And I think this practice definitely helps in, um, you know, modern day pragmatism and our business, our careers, relationship, um, you know, our ability to um, manifest money. So, you know, it's all within our bodies and it's a very powerful practice, whether it's as simple as counting or listening to a guided meditation or really going deep into, um, you know, your actual, your, the energy centers in your body. So I want to talk I, about the energy centers in a second, but let's kind of move to the science side. So you, you told you before we got online, we were talking to John and I about the, your experience with an accident and having a concussion and getting some brain brainwaves tested as part of your concussion. So, 
you don't have to go too deep into the the accident side, but tell us, you know, what was going on and what were they seeing based on your experience as a meditator? And I wanted to add something. I'm just back here breathing and relaxing, listening to. So thank you both. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to ask Arthi, along with that, you're a serious business person. This isn't just something you have time for because you have all the time in the world while your kids are at whatever. I mean, you were traveling up to DC on a business trip and, you know, working some business. And then as David alluded to, something interrupted that, but you said meditation has helped you a great deal in a kind of an acute situation. I'll listen. Yes, um, it, it has. And I, I believe that in order for me to get through the stress and anxiety of my life, you know, of the demands of having two children, being married to a very busy um, engineer, um, and and having my own business in in health IT consulting with the government, um, it's been you know definitely a, a way of me juggling everything. So finding that time throughout the day, I recently read or heard um, that as many times as you eat, you can sit and meditate. You know, what if that's for ten seconds? If that's for one hour, you know, um, we can make that time in small chunks throughout the day as a healing process. So as, as David and John had mentioned, I was in this car accident and um, received a big blow to my forehead. And I had just started um, conducting neurofeedback where electrodes are put on my certain parts of my brain, the frontal lobe, the occipital lobe in the back and the sides to measure my brain waves in order to treat um, the post-concussion uh, symptoms, the pain, the headaches, the um, dizziness, confusion, um, lack of motivation, anxiety, my stress got very high, are some of the symptoms that I've been treated for. What the practitioner noticed is that my alpha brain waves were very high, which means a person who meditates and goes into that state of alpha brain waves, um, it's it's very it's very good. He was very like, wow, like we need to then up the ante and get you to um, look at your delta and theta waves, where you know your imagination, your dreamlike states come in and expand them, really. And that is when he was tapping into my long-term memory. And I remembered this very vivid moment in my life where I walked in on my father meditating. Um, and I, I was I probably between the ages of four and five, and it was just so vivid in my mind that, that I had completely forgot about it. So when I asked, I said, how come I'm remembering these really old memories? He said, we're tapping into that part of your brain that stores it, which means this neurofeedback process that I'm going through is expanding the muscles in my brain. And because I meditate, I'm easily receptive to the results of that process. Um, a very famous uh, doctor Dr. Joe Dispenza has been conducting this research and writing about it for years now. And his book that I am 
kind of midway in between, it's uh, becoming supernatural, is exactly that. People being able to heal their, themselves from diseases, cancer, let's even throw in viruses, through meditation, through the ability to breathe, holding it, and exhaling, inhaling, holding, and exhaling throughout the day, and those brain waves being uh, monitored and studied to show the changes before and after these disease states. So it's so been let's, quite um, a let's profound. Talk, that's really process. profound. So let's talk mm -hmm. a little bit about one of the challenges that you know people in American society have, which is they've never even touched this. They, they, they don't even know how to control their, their subconscious ideas floating all over the place. So when they start, they can't count to 10 or they do it three times and they stop and they're thinking about a thousand other things. What are some techniques that could talk to the group about so they don't get too disenchanted? Like one of the great techniques that I learned with Headspace was the idea that knowing that I couldn't stop thoughts that all I had to start doing was trying to push them away. He, he, he taught us how to try to push them away. Like almost, you know, you, Oh, that thought comes in, just put, don't even accept it. Just push it away. Don't try to stop it. Just push it away. So what are your thoughts about that? As somebody starts and they start getting frustrated very quickly because they just can't stop the monkey mind. Very good question. Number one, I would say, is always keep water next to you because water is a conductor of energy and we are working with the energy centers in your body. Another methodology that is really important would be simply to sit on your hands. Sitting on your hands and rooting yourself into your chair or the ground and breathing into your hands. Space, which is actually um, your root chakra, which is connecting you to Mother Earth. Now, you breathing doesn't matter if you want to count or not, but the fact that you're sitting on your hands and you're holding that space and you're breathing into your hands is going to take you out of the monkey brain. It may just be for a few seconds right? Because you're just starting out that practice, but you're focusing on your hands and you're saying, hmm, this actually is slowing it down. What, why don't I do this for longer? Now, palms down or palms up? Um, or does it matter? Can do, it doesn't matter. Palms up, you know, is, is maybe easier to put your hands down, you know, in, in, under that space. But if, if, if palms down makes you feel more comfortable, either or. I just wanted to ask David, how has this practical application for you helped you? And could you define monkey brain for the people that don't know? I think we've alluded to it. So a couple things there, like how has this helped you, president of a company, leading organizations, doing training, the practical yeah, application so, for you and monkey brain? Yeah, and no, sir, um, Arthur, you'll have some thoughts on it as well. So. The monkey brain is the fact that if you really stop and you sit, most of our minds are constantly in perpetual motion. In most cases, they're saying negative things. To, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. 
I'm not going to make enough money. My kids are bad. I'm a bad parent. I'm such a bad parent. My kids are going to screw up. They're going to live down by the river in a hut. Um, all those type of things are going on. And that's the, the challenge is that if you let it go on for too long, then they come out in physiological symptoms, the headaches, stomach aches, bathroom issues, um, stress and anxiety that come out in physical issues as well, heart palpitations, the point where you're going to be suffering from panic attacks and you're wondering what is going on. It's because you, you know, never really truly look deeper inside yourself to catch all these things that you're talking about. And for me, what it, what it, able, what it enabled me to do is really start trying to focus on my cerebral cortex thinking over my limbic system thinking. So if I act like my limbic system wants me to do, I'm going to do stupid things. I'm going to fight, I'm going to freeze, or I'm going to, I'm going to run away. And that's not how white collar work needs to happen. And so as I started practicing meditation, it helped me kind of put a filter in place to deal with issues and think through issues more and not just react, to try to plan ahead, to try to think about things, to, to process information longer. And so that, that's helped me. Now, I still have challenges with negative self-talk and I still have challenges with anxiety, but it at least gives me a tool to try to control it so it doesn't go absolutely hog wild. I still have a long way to go before I get to the level that Arthi's at. Now, Arthi, any thoughts that you want to add on the monkey mind or ways that you've seen it practically help you from a leadership professional, home manager types perspective? Yes, indeed. Um, I do like your explanation of it to the modern um, you know, business um, practice. I think if we go back to, let's say, a Buddhist principle, um, monkey brain is a term that, you know, really is defining um, the restlessness, the confusion, um, a person that is unsettled and becomes easily distracted. So when we're in the business setting, when we're taking care of kids, when we are, um, you know, training, teaching people, we want to be as focused as possible and uh, less distracted. So, you know, how do we um, quiet that inner dialogue where you had mentioned, you know, um, not being good enough, the worthiness, um, the anxiety, and these kind of like almost like a loop, you know, you get stuck like in this like record um, um, where you, you constantly um, are belittling yourself when you absolutely have the ability to do what needs to get done. You are absolutely worthy and you have the knowledge because of your experience. Or we have, you know, Google, Wikipedia, and so many resources that we can find the answer, right, if we really want to research. But most likely within our intuitive minds and bodies, the answer is within us. So when the, the monkey mind or the monkey brain can get settled and that stillness occurs, the answer just comes to us. Um, so the practice of quieting our mind and sitting, breathing, really paying attention to our breath is the start of meditation practice. That's really, gr that's really, really great. Now, John, um, we're probably going to summarize here and then have, um, have Arthi finalized, but you've been sitting back and you've been listening. Are there two or three takeaways that you've gotten? As a as a as a contributor to this, but also a deep listener. 
Say that again. So as a, you know, Arthi and I are um, going back and forth. Arthi and I are going back and forth and talking through some of these issues. You're back listening. Could, is there two or three things that you've taken from listening to our thoughts, our thoughts and ideas about meditation well, th- going back are, and forth? Of course. I'm just relaxing here, guys. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'm, 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 I'm breathing. I'm paying attention to my breath. and my. So this has been very helpful. But I've heard this from and done a little bit of this kind of practice. So I'm in learning mode right now. and But I've seen clients at different levels, people that you thought wouldn't be, or maybe someone I thought wouldn't be a meditator who have had this kind of peacefulness about them in the, in the midst of chaos. It could be an executive. It could be, quite frankly, even blue collar, white collar, whatever. But I've seen it bring peace to their chaotic life and it's just made me more curious, especially today with all just the external macro events that happen to be going on at this time. But usually people are so busy. They've got their phones. They've got challenges. They've got everything coming at them. It's hard to quiet the mind. And you know, part of my coaching practice is to get people to focus and calmly deal with a setback. Could be they were outplaced. They were laid off. They're in some kind of career transition, a company needs help with aligning talent and they're a little bit frantic. But I just think this is so much more important today than perhaps ever before with all the distractions we have that I'm just learning and absorbing and wanting to make this more of a, a really important habit in my life. So I just say continue on. This is really good. So really, Arthi, at this point, what would be your top two, three points you wanted to get across folks listening, either how they could start, the reason for doing it, and how to continue, or any other thoughts that you would have to close this out. And what I think is an incredibly important subject in order to take the next step to deal with complexity, to deal with VUCA, we need the ability to understand and control ourselves. And meditation does that. And it's just getting people to take that next step. So what do you want to summarize with to get people moving forward? I think one of the most important things right now happening in um, the world, in our environment, um, even in our homes, is that we cannot control anything outside of us. And that is so clear, right? We are now um, quarantined to our homes and we cannot control what is happening outside. Although the one thing that we can control is how we feel and what our thoughts are. Our thoughts become actions. And if we are in a state of elation and joy and childlike behavior, um, where we are living in the present now, we're able to control our breath and we're able to control how we feel. So as one is understanding what meditation is, what the practice is, and how one can start as creating this habit into one's life, we have to now look at what do we want? What makes us happy each day? I know I've, you know, gone through so many different types of corporate jobs, um, 
you know, I have my master's in public health. I studied what's happening outside, not thinking I would ever live through one. And now, you know, realize so many of those setbacks were actually opportunities. So that change in our mindset is really the switch that turns on for us to realize we have the ability to grow within us. And if either it's, you know, through the practice of meditation or conscious living, being mindful of these situations is a moment for us to wake up. And that growth mindset, that ability to um, inherently never give up and have that grit, you know, that inner grit to just keep going. Something better is, is waiting for us on the other side of this suffering, other side of this disease, other side of this situation where we are simply not happy. You know, we can dwell in that unhappiness and become depressed and it just escalates. But the ability to understand that something is greater on the other side, that switch, is when we can learn to sit still. Either in the morning after you wake up is a really great time. Um, I like it when the kids are sleeping, no one is bothering me, my husband is sleeping, um, and it's a quiet home. Um, That is when I can take care of myself, even if it's just for 10 minutes, and just sit and breathe. You can do it lying down, you can do it sitting in a chair, you can do it sitting on the floor. But breathing and feeling my body and understanding that everything is going to be okay and everything is going to turn out the way I want it to be will come in practice and time. I hope those words help and resonate with many folks as we um, you know, deal with these uncertain times. Well, Arthi, that was this is really John. great. I was going to say that's really great. Same thing I think you were going to say. And then, uh, David, do you want to close us out? Yeah, uh, thanks, John. This was a fantastic podcast, one that I hope we get a number of people listening to, and I hope they take some of the very pragmatic, specific steps that Arthi was talking about to try to help them take that next step in better living. 10% happier. Dan Brown said it so well in his book, and Arthi, you talked about how to make that happen. So thank you all. Have a great rest of your day and we'll be back again in another podcast. Thanks, John. Thanks, Arthi. Thank you so much. See ya.